Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is David Perez, a longtime community advocate who's been working at the national level to better the conditions of Latinos, and who's also advocated on behalf of the LGBTQ community. I want to thank all our listeners for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Are you looking for a job? The Census Bureau is currently hiring individuals to conduct annual surveys and to get ready for the 2020 census. Help our nation collect important statistics on people, places, and the economy. Field interviewers work out of their home and are reimbursed for mileage. To learn more about what opportunities exist in your city, visit census.gov forward slash field jobs. That's census.gov forward slash field jobs. And here's your weekly news update. On election day, I went to my voting precinct twice. Once in the morning, only to find a long line. Then again after work where I stood for nearly 45 minutes before being able to cast my ballot in the District of Columbia. That was a story across the country. Americans shattered records on November 6, with turnout percentages not seen since the 1960s. It is estimated that 113 million people voted, or 49% of all registered voters. Way to go, America! Exit polls conducted by CNN showed that 11% of voters were Latino, up from 8% from the past midterm election. This growth in Latino voters helped fuel statewide progressive victories in states like Nevada, New Mexico, and Colorado, along with flipping congressional house districts to Democrats in Texas, Florida, and California. Polls show that 7 in 10 voters that identified as Latinx voted for the Democrat in the race. Although the Democrats were able to take the House and pick up governorships while Republicans padded their Senate seat count, the big story that night was the diversity ticket elected. More people of color and people of different religions and sexual orientations were elected to office more than ever before. Many are calling it the rainbow wave. 42 Latinos will now occupy congressional seats in 2019. Joining them will be nine congressional candidates from the LGBTQ community. The LGBTQ community saw a record number of people file to run for office up and down the ballot. 339 ran this cycle for local, state, and federal offices, with 153 of them winning their races. While many in the media and the opposing party are downplaying the Democratic successes of the midterm election because of the big Senate losses in Texas, Missouri, Indiana, and North Dakota, plus undecided races in Georgia and Florida, Democrats took back an astounding 372 state legislative seats in just one election night out of the roughly 1,000 loss during Obama's eight years in office.
The Hispanic Federation is the nation's premier Latino nonprofit membership organization. Founded in 1990, the nonprofit seeks to support Hispanic families and strengthen Latino institutions through work in the areas of education, health, immigration, civic engagement, economic empowerment, and the environment. With offices in New York, Washington, D.C., Connecticut, Florida, and Puerto Rico, as well as a nonprofit footprint throughout the East Coast, the Federation uplifts millions of Hispanic children, youth, and families locally and nationally through these essential service pillars, grant making, advocacy, and community programs. One of the key people driving its work in the community is longtime Hispanic community advocate, David Perez. For years, David worked in development in the National Office of the League of United Latin American Citizens, and now this gay Latino is a senior director of donor relations at the Hispanic Federation. We talked to David about his new role in the community and his continued work on empowering the LGBTQ Latinx community. I want to welcome to the show a very good friend of mine, David Perez, who I've known for almost 10 years. Uh, met him while I was living in Dallas and he was working up here for the LULAC National Office. When I started my LULAC Council in Dallas, the first LGBT focused one, it's almost like if I had a garden angel, guardian angel up here in DC. <laughs> David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today, Jesse. Thank you so much for, like I said, uh, helping me all those years back when I was in Dallas, telling me what was the right thing to do and what the better way of doing things <laughs> when applying for grants and for handling council issues. You've always been that person that I could rely on to build bridges between the LGBT community and the Latino community. And it's almost like for the last decade, you've worked on these issues. You've made them your own. You've taken charge of them. And with everything that you touch, your nonprofit work, your actual career, you work in those two communities, that intersection. Tell us about your new adventure that you've taken on with the Hispanic Federation and what's your role there? Um, thank you, Jesse. Well, it's definitely been um, exciting uh, working the last 11 years in Latino civil rights issues. And as you said, also doing a lot of work with the LGBT community. Um, this February, I started with Hispanic Federation. They're a really exciting organization headquartered in New York. I'm here in the DC office as Senior Director of Donor Relations, working in the fundraising department. And um, really what Hispanic Federation does to advance the Latino community is in three main areas. We work with our 108 Latino serving nonprofit member agencies to do capacity building training for their board and staff, as well as other member services, including grant making. We gave over $3 million in grants last year to Hispanic serving um, organizations. Our second area of focus is advocacy issues. Um, and then the third area we focus on is direct community assistance programs. So our advocacy and our programs focus on areas from the environment, education, immigration, um, health, economic empowerment, civic engagement, um, to make sure that we're supporting strong Latino institutions so we can support strong Latino families. Thank you so much for doing that work. It's important. It's almost serving like an umbrella organization. Would you say that for all these existing 
Latino organizations that are out there? Yes, how the Hispanic Federation started was in New York City as a federation of other Hispanic-serving organizations. So we really try to focus in areas to strengthen those institutions, whether it's having a board networking dating to find um, potential board members for these organizations, whether it's training the staff or providing grants so an organization can revamp their IT or do some kind of training that maybe a foundation or other corporate support might not want to help that Latino institution. So we really want to build them, make them strong. Um, and then you have a united Latino advocacy agenda to hold public officials accountable um, and then work together in these issues. You put issues. an annual report out. We have an annual report available on HispanicFederation.org. Um, you can see our 2017 year numbers and look at the different 20 states where we have different partnerships with um, organizations. And you can see the different kinds of programs we've run. Um, we have a lot of interesting work, everything from, uh, for example, with the LGBT community, we hold um, the FIRSA Fest, which is an LGBTQ arts and culture festival in New York, Orlando, uh, Connecticut, and we'll be in San Francisco next year. Um, also, after Pulse, we started Proyecto Somos Orlando to provide wraparound bilingual services to the community there in Orlando. And um, whenever there's a need in the community, we rise up and we find a strategic way to help others. Like with so, Puerto Rico. Exactly. So um, after Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico, we banded together with our um, member organizations, our leadership, as well as with Lynn Manuel Miranda. Amazing. So he is the face of Did you get our, to meet him? Sorry. <laughs> I have not met him personally yet, yeah. but he works very closely with our staff in New York. Awesome. And um, he was our gala chair last year at our gala. He'll be at our gala chair again coming up in April 2019. So he's really dedicated to the cause. Um, together with him, we raised $40 million to reinvest in Puerto Rico to help rebuild the island. That's but amazing. we also have a campaign. If you're on the advocate side, you can go to takeactionforpuertorico.org, sign a petition. Um, there we've gotten 200 organizations, not just Latinos, Asian Americans, labor, environmental groups to say we need to make a difference in Puerto Rico. We need to hold the government accountable for policy and at the same time raise funds to invest in organizations to do the work. So really trying to connect those dots as well as we have state offices. For example, in Hartford, Connecticut, in Orlando, Florida, we're providing housing assistance, direct service programs to help recently arrived Puerto Ricans in those states as well. It's all about helping those in need and organizing at the at the local level. Yes. Now, aside from your work from Hispanic on you know with the Hispanic Federation, you've dedicated a couple of years to the nonprofit National LGBTQ Task Force, um, working on their issues with uh, addressing the Latinx community. Tell us about that and your convention coming up. Sure. Well, one of the exciting projects I get to work on is called Union Equals Fuerza Latinx Institute. Um, this takes place at Creating Change every year. So we'll be coming up in Detroit in 2019 on January 21st. We have a one-day training, bilingual, in English and Spanish. Um, and really, it's started in 2012, the planning of the first one that took place in um, Atlanta, Georgia in 2013. So, you know, that's six years that we've been able to meet and bring 250 queer Latinx gente together for one day of training. We have skill, skill building, capacity building training. 
We have issue-based discussions on what's the most important issues. Last year, we focused on the trans community and the Afro-Latinx community as some of our um, key issues, as well as bringing youth from Puerto Rico and the needs that they had there, the trans youth in Puerto Rico. So um, it's really exciting. It's a unique place where you meet other activists. <coughs> and I would encourage Excuse you, me. no problem, I would encourage you to check out unionforza.org. Um, you can see all the latest information there, save the date, fill out our Get Interested form, and find out how you can connect to scholarships. Um, it yeah, takes, there's, uh, for mm-hmm. people that really, really want to go but do not have the funds, there's scholarships available if you fit into yes. the, if there's communities you belong to. I would say you still sign up. So besides our website, go to creatingchange.org. It's, um, we, do, we do this training, Union Fuerza Latinx Institute, at the Creating Change Conference. So Creating Change has scholarships. You can sign up there. And then you can also go to our website and sign up, unionforza.org, for other opportunities. Like we might try to pair you with a roommate to save costs on housing. Or we'll do community fundraisers and we have suggested letters. How can you fundraise in your community to maybe help reduce the cost of your flight or carpool with a friend? So we really don't want resources to be a challenge to try to get there. So tell us about your experience from Washington, D.C. I want people to know how you came here and how it's changed you. Sure. Well, I came here, let's see, in 2007, no, 2005, in the cold winter in January as a, as a young intern. Um, I was interning for, co- for Congress my last session of um, my undergraduate degree. Um, that was really fun, but then I moved back uh, permanently that, that summer after, in 2005. Um, and I was doing my Master's of Arts in Latin American Studies at Georgetown University. Great school. It was a, an amazing, fantastic uh, program. And then after that, I actually got involved working at LULAC in their um, development department. And just that's how I started out on fundraising with the LULAC National Office. Um, so ever since then, I've, um, it was, I will say, shocking at first because I came from California. I was born and raised in Los Angeles County. Then I moved to San Diego County. So very Southern California boy from the coast. And then, you know, moving to the, to the East Coast. A little faster paced, a lot of different diff- cultures, different vibe, a little more formal. Um, but of course, you know, I learned to adapt quickly um, to find different friends and network of support. Um, a lot of folks, either from my church at St. Thomas's Parish, or from like my kickball league, which I know we played kickball. David is the one that's <laughs> responsible for me and my kickball fetish. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, I appreciate it. you introduced me to so many people when I got here. I got here in 2011. And you, along with a couple of other great Latinos, really made me feel like home. And I appreciate that. Oh, fantastic. And thanks for introducing me to kickball. I think sports maybe, teams, yeah. kickball, softball, they're great ways to get to know Adult people. kickball, you can't beat it. <laughs> but uh, you've really made a name for yourself. You've been honored as a Capitol Pride hero. So like a little grand marshal of our local parade. And mm-hmm. um, been recognized so many times by different organizations for your work what keeps you going you know i think something that was really important after i finished my graduate school in dc i thought i need to get involved in my local community so my parents as i mentioned um, were really involved in church and um, having that faith that motivates us for social justice to get back to the community so i started volunteering with local organizations in dc um, i was volunteered with dc latino pride the latino GLBT history project the DC LGBT Center, and uh, more recently with the 
Mayor's Office of LGBTQ Affairs. So just really finding out folks that have lived for generations and generations in Washington. What are the needs in D.C.? How do I get back to my community? So I like to be connected um, to my neighbors and to the District of Columbia to find out how can we push for statehood so we have a vote in Congress. How can we make a difference with transportation and other issues in the city? So um, since my work day to day is with national organizations, I love to also be connected to my local community. Yes, I need to congratulate you because you just got placed on that uh, affairs committee that the mayor gets to appoint. The mayor, which is basically like our, our governor of our city mm-hmm. state here. Uh, it's an important position and it's important to have Latino representation. We're like 14, 15% of the population here in the District of Columbia. So we need to get our faces. We need to be at the table at City Hall. So I appreciate you stepping up for that important position. What are some of the issues you talk about in that committee? So um, the the mayor's committee, um, it's of LGBTQ affairs, advising her office of LGBTQ affairs. So we, when I was chair for about four, the first four years, I just passed a chairmanship over to um, Reggie Greer of the Victory Fund. Um, when we did a, like a strategic planning and we had several issues that we thought were important to the city. Um, transgender employment issues were really important to us. Youth issues, um, public safety issues, um, as well as we looked at LGBTQ aging issues. So we held different forums with government agencies, with the community advocates and identified some best practices from other jurisdictions that we recommended to the District of Columbia government of how can we get more jobs for our transgender community? How can we increase public safety? Um, You know, I think what's great about DC is that we're a very progressive city, very welcoming. We have one of the best human rights laws in the country that covers a lot of different um, categories, but we need to make sure are those being implemented at the DMV? Are they being implemented at hospitals? Can transgender women access um, reassignment surgeries? Um, Just making sure that all of our laws are being implemented well and that all District of Columbia residents have access to resources, whether it's in Spanish, whether it's for LGBTQ people, um, making sure that we have a place we can live, work and play and be be a great um, district for, for all residents. Well, I want to thank you so much, David, for all the work that you do. And thanks for not only working in your career to advance our cause, but on your nonprofit side and volunteer side with the city. You are a true hero to me. (laughs) And I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jesse, for having me. I mean, it's been quite an honor to know you. Um, I'm glad we got to meet way back when at, I think, one of the LULAC conventions, finally in person after all of our phone calls. And it's so great to have you here in Washington and to be able to work and collaborate with you as a friend. Before we go, can you go ahead and give us the Hispanic Federation website and the Creating Change website as well? Definitely. You can, for more information about Hispanic Federation, go to www.hispanicfederation.org. If you'd like to find out about the Latinx Institute, go to unionforza.org. Um, or you can go to creatingchange.org to officially register for the Creating Change Conference. Thank you for having me, Jesse. Thank you, David.